0: Episode 307, the leaven of the Pharisees. Jesus just multiplied food. And again, the Pharisees ask him for a sign. Like he wasn't a living sign, right? Like Jesus has got to be annoyed by their questions. I would be, would you? Yet in his annoyance, we can see Jesus clearly knows his ultimate purpose. And he lays it out very, very clearly. And prophetically in nature. Matthew sixteen one, The Pharisees and Sadducees came to Jesus and tested him by asking him to show them a sign from heaven. He said, When evening comes, you say it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning today it will be stormy, for the sky is red and overcast. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. A wicked and adulterous generation looks for a sign, but none will be given it except the sign of Jonah. Jesus then left them and went away. Think on this. (laughs) Well, I mean, one thing is like, You guys are weathermen, you know, you can see the obvious signs in the sky and know your weather because you know your region, you know your geography, you have your history, you have context, you understand life, but you're missing the most obvious thing in the world. And it's that the son of God and the God that you supposedly worship is standing before you. I guess it's because they never really worshipped him in the first place. But think on this. If you haven't heard this before... How is Jesus like Jonah? How will Jesus be like Jonah? This is the Jewish culture. This is the amazing part of knowing your history and understanding, right? They know their history and they know their understanding. The mindset of prophetic thinking, comparing the things of history and the world and scripture. What is significant about Jonah? Besides the repentance in Nineveh that he led, it was how he was swallowed by the fish or the whale or the sea monster for three whole days. Some interpretations actually suggest that Jonah died and was actually raised after three days. If you want to know a whole lot more about this, can I scroll back to the episodes of Jonah? We cover this a lot more. Um, To the people of this time, or the Pharisees, they probably just scratched their heads and said, yes, he's rebellious like Jonah, and he runs from God, missing what it could actually mean regarding repentance and resurrection life. They don't, they don't get it. In fact, they'll make him Jonah when they kill him because Jesus will come back in three days. In summary, Jesus will die on the cross and be below the earth figuratively and spiritually for three days and after three days, just like Jonah, he will rise from death to life and resurrected, preaching a new kingdom. And it will lead to great repentance. All right. For whatever reason, when the disciples tend to get in the boat with Jesus, they seem to lose their minds. It's like the the debrief of a mission trip or the de- debrief of debrief of like a youth camp day or something where everything goes well all day long, but no one knows how to process it. That's what, the, it's like the Jesus like, you go to this amazing movie but no one can actually figure out what it meant afterward. <laughs> you know, they're like oh, they forgetting that they should be praising God for everything and learning about faith through the process. They're trying to figure it out with their rational minds and they're and they're not growing in their faith instead of their questioning things. It's these odd moments after these uh, these crazy revival type days when they get in the boat. Matthew 16, 5, When they went across the lake, the disciples forgot to take bread. Be careful, Jesus said to them. Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. They discussed this among themselves and said, It is because we didn't bring any bread. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked, You have little faith, why are you talking among yourselves about having no bread? Do you still not understand? Don't you remember the five loaves for the five thousand and how many basketfuls you gathered? Or the seven loaves for the 4,000, and how many basketfuls you gathered? How is it you don't understand that I was not talking to you about bread, but be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees? Then they understood that he was not telling them to guard against the yeast used in bread, but against the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. I think Jesus is just upset that everyone thinks um, these Pharisees and Sadducees are so holy, missing the fact that they were a den of vipers and snakes and thieves. They aren't holy. They're evil. It's these guys that will kill Jesus one day, the same guys who distort the scriptures and rule over people via power and manipulation. So the other account of the same story tells us even more. Check this out. It's more more like a dialogue. It's a, almost a comparative analysis. Is so profound. Mark eight fourteen. The disciples had forgotten to bring bread, except for one loaf they had with them in the boat. Be careful, Jesus warned them. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. They discussed this with one another and said, Is it because we have no bread? Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked them, Why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see, ears but fail to hear, and don't you remember? And when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? Twelve, they replied. And when I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? They answered, Seven. He said to them, Don't you still not understand? Jesus basically says, my interpretation, I call that Message to King's Interpretation, the yeast of the Pharisees is death, but the bread and life of heaven is life and peace. And the multiplication of life, where thousands can be fed and can be prospered, is Jesus. <laughs> In the words of Jesus, do you still not Understand, life and peace are in the hands of Jesus and the hands of God. Death is from Herod, is from the Pharisees and the Sadducees. It's just a clear delineation of good and evil, not to manipulate anything. And the Pharisees and Sadducees are masking as beautiful religious leaders as they're, they're, the, they're the bad guys dressed in good. <laughs> That's what they are. And Jesus is, um, I can't say God is disturbed, but he's, he's probably more bothered by his disciples and his people that they, they are so blinded by um, good, sorry, bad posing as good. Now, Jesus heads to Bethsaida, um, where where his final destination of this trip that he's headed to um, is actually, in the next episode, the Gates of Hell, or Caesarea Philippi. But on the way, he runs into a blind man, and his healing tells us so much about this city. Mark 8.22 They came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village where he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him. Jesus asked, do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened. His sight was restored and he saw everything clearly. Jesus sent him home saying, don't even go into the village. All right, <laughs> this is the only city where Jesus takes someone out of it to heal him. This is the only place where Jesus actually prays twice for someone in their healing. Something's up with Bethsaida. Jesus doesn't like this unrepentant city. He has an issue with Chorazin, Bethsaida, and even Capernaum. Matthew eleven twenty, When Jesus began... Then Jesus began to criticize openly the cities in which he had done many of his miracles because they did not repent. Woe to you, Corazon! Woe to you, Bethsaida! If the miracles had been done and you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it would be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon on the day of judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? No! You will be thrown down into Hades." For if the miracles done among you had been done in Sodom, it would have continued to this day. But I tell you, it will be more bearable for the region of Sodom on the day of judgment than for you. The people, despite the signs and wonders, don't believe. And I'm sure there's plenty of believers, obviously. He's healing tons of people. Uh, But there's still a tipping point, let's say, um, that that are not repentant. And I don't know how it works, but let's just say the cities as a whole still didn't believe. Many, many believed, but something about these cities as a whole was still hardened. Their hearts were hardened. The cities were hardened. They still worshiped their idols. So check out a few things. When Jesus prayed for him the first time, I heard someone suggest once that he healed his spiritual eyes first. And he saw strange spiritual beings, men like trees walking around. Perhaps he saw angels or demons. Um, If this is the case, I see Jesus shaking his head saying, that worked too well. (laughs) And then he prayed for only his physical sight to be returned. You know, perhaps he wasn't supposed to have a seer anointing of sorts so so immediately. Or perhaps when it says, um, at the end of it, it actually says, uh, Jesus sent him home but it says his sight was restored and he saw everything clearly perhaps he he was given a even a greater gift for being suffering through blindness that he got physical restoration and spiritual restoration to his eyes but perhaps more importantly this tells us something about Bethsaida. it's down the hill along the waterways from the gates of hell Caesarea Philippi that's what Caesarea Philippi is actually um, called. There's a there's a center there where they worshipped idols. Um, they sacrificed to the god Pan among many others. Um, it was actually called the Gates of Hell. Um, when the the place floods, um, according to what they said, was that there would be a rushing out of demons from hell um, once, whenever it floods. Caesarea Philippi. Maybe this blind man was seeing principalities that prevented the people of this city from believing. I find it fascinating how Jesus leads him out of the city. Then he prays twice, and then it says he sent him home with these words, don't even go into that village. That village uh, clearly is Bethsaida, for it had a wicked spirit to it, one that I believe Jesus is going to take care of um, in the next episode as he goes upstream uh, from Bethsaida. In the next episode, Jesus will march with his heavenly troops and disciples 30 miles north to the headwaters of the Sea of Galilee and Jordan River to tear down some strongholds. And perhaps Jesus will be taking care of some of those men that look like trees. So while Jesus is speaking to his disciples about the cross and asking Peter about his true identity, I believe spiritual warfare is occurring all the way to the gates of hell at levels the Bible only suggests by the location of Jesus in the next episode. So next week, stay tuned. We march to the gates of hell. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Message to Kings. Feel free to check out the website, messagetokings.com. Or if you want to chat or connect with us, email us at messagetokings at gmail.com.